church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dr. Dennis Hall, and welcome to our listeners here at this podcast this morning. And I am excited about our guest today, Dr. Michael A. Milton, pastor, author, artist, educator, evangelist, singer, songwriter, retired provost at Erskine Theological Seminary, written more than 30 books and numerous academic articles, and most interestingly to me, uh, he's released five albums of original music, a published composer and hymn writer. And uh, I read on your uh, website, Dr. Milton, that you, you say of your life, Mike Milton is simply a filthy sinner saved by grace and called to preach the gospel and the unsearchable riches of Christ that he once blasphemed. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Milton. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Hall. It's my honor and privilege to be with you and to be with a fair fellow uh, Carolinian, at least <laughs> by vocation and uh, by calling and location, uh, as you're up in the highlands, and I'm not too far from you. I'm in the mountains, but a little bit lower. I know that. I know that. I, I, I'm going to get over there to see you one of these days. You know, we're... Uh, I, you, you caught my attention with an article you wrote entitled The Antelope and Hyenas, uh, a special warning regarding new socialism. And I thought, boy, this is mm. something that we ought to talk about, uh, especially, you know, we're in this time where we now have a new Congress that has been uh, put in place. And, um, uh, you know, it's just amazing to me when we look across the political agenda that uh, we see so many politicians who self-label themselves as uh, socialist, uh, saying, you know, like we have uh, the representative of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, who is a Democrat, but also a member of the uh, Democrat Socialists of America group. And uh, then you got people like Bernie Sanders, who self-labels himself a uh, a socialist, and then we have what's interesting: many, many more. Really, frankly, on both sides of the political spectrum, who seem to be willing to undertake what uh, many would call uh, uh, socialist agendas or, or laws that pertain to uh, to socialism. And so, you know, the the first question is: we throw this term around a lot, socialism. And and so the question really becomes, what does it mean? And and if someone asked you that question, Dr. Milton, how would you describe socialism? I would say it's a denial of the laws and principles of ownership, beginning with God's uh unique role as our creator, all the way down to private property ownership. 
It's a denial of uh, the essential liberties granted to us by God. And it replaces God with another God. There's always going to be a small G-O-D, a deity uh, in every system. In socialism, the deity is uh, statism, a capital S, statism, a philosophy uh, that is probably best understood by observation. Uh, the Soviet Union, uh, uh, parts of the United States of America, Great Britain and other Western nations following World War II, where there was a drift towards uh, statism. So the state replaces God, dependence on the state rather than dependence on God, uh, a small elite governing uh, this new framework. And the principles of uh, our founding uh, in the United States of America are uh, rejected and replaced uh, by this new statism ideology. Sure. You know, it's uh, it's just interesting to me, uh, sort of going back in time. You know, when they when they passed Social Security in this country, there were people asking the question: Is this our first step toward socialism right. in America? And then, of course, we watched uh, programs like Medicare come along, building on that, and Medicaid come along, building on that, and uh, Obamacare coming along, building on that and all kinds of disability programs to take care of people who've uh, Mm -hmm. been disabled, uh, all kinds of uh, unemployment compensation programs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard reports just recently in the news that there are people making six-figure incomes by not Mm -hmm. working uh, just on uh, governmental programs. It seems like uh, so many sectors, when we talk about socialism in our society, uh, you know, everything from the energy sectors and gas and oil and uh, finance and transportation and all kinds of infrastructure that's controlled uh, by state, statism, as, right. you, as you say it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it seems like we've kind of, even recently, we've, when we had all of this uh, shutdown of the airlines during one of the worst winter yep. storms ever, uh, yes. Everyone, there was just a chorus from everyone uh, railing against the government that it was the government's responsibility to have prevented any problems with uh, airline transportation. And so it seems like just across right. the board, as a society, we've grown more and more comfortable with the state taking control of huge sectors of society. Right. And with that, of course, goes a loss of personal freedom, uh, a diminishing of the natural law, if you will, uh, liberties, uh, the divine prerogatives of uh, uh, investing humankind with uh, stewardship over creation, uh, the primacy of the family and so forth. So there is a diminishing of all of those natural rights our founders were concerned with right. uh, whenever the state increases sure i i think that um certainly in any uh society uh there is the prerogative of the people in, in for instance lex rex samuel rutherford uh, great uh, uh treaties following the english civil war during and afterwards uh that 
was quite influential uh, in the founding of our own country. Uh, and the electorate, uh, the people uh, govern, follow, really following on Lex Rex, following on Magna Carta, that you as the king only rule because we allow you to rule. Right. And so the governed are uh, in control. And that's an, that's one of the biggest things that is traded away for security, uh, safety, as you, as you say, even income and taking care of one's family. I'll give away that right, the right of the electorate uh, to you so that you can govern. Um, the problem with that is multifold, but principal among the uh, potential threats is the fact that original sin or its residual flows through all of us. Right. And therefore, uh, the checks and balances are removed uh, when you grant someone that sort of power. Um, it is highly likely that you're going to have chains slipped over your wrist while you sleep. Yeah. And that's probably where we are now in many ways. Sure. The, perhaps the chains may be on uh, and the final lock uh, is waiting to take place. I don't know. Yeah. I should say that in terms of... Uh, how we take care of each other, the least among us. Uh, I'm writing a commentary on Leviticus right now, and I'm very aware of the responsibility of the community for each other, particularly the widows and the orphans. Sure. Um, indeed, those who are disabled and, and are hurt, uh, those who have been born with uh, physical or mental problems, uh, cognitive uh, problems. Uh, a society that is the electric can determine and say, we want to take care of each other and go to the king or the, the, the government, the Republican government, and say, this is what we desire. But again, it's the, the people, those who are governed with the right to say, we, I want to give some of my dollar in uh, uh, taxes that you create a fund that my representative will watch over, you'll be accountable to him, and you disperse that fund to needy people. This is what we would like. But again, it's uh, that power is residing uh, a la Magna Carta and Lex Rex in, and the U.S. Constitution in the people. Exactly. You know, it seems to me you're touching on a couple of uh sections of scripture that, that really illustrate that where you know in the scripture uh, we're basically taught that uh, that our governmental leaders uh, literally serve at the pleasure of god and Absolutely. what you're saying is that the way that takes place is through the people of of god and right. you know some some have uh, like the senator from atlanta uh, uh, who is also an ordained minister, has right. uh, tried to advance the idea that Christianity is a, 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 a socialistic uh, faith, uh, you know, right. sort of basing that on the fact that uh, 
you know, indeed, Christianity is a compassionate faith that, mm-hmm. that worries about those who have been oppressed, those who have been injured, those who are right. orphans or prisoners or widows, on and on. And that the Scripture instructs us that we're to, to worry about those and to take care of them in a compassionate way. And, you know, it just uh, it seems to me that... Uh, I remember as a child, this is a kind of a funny little story, but I remember my grandfather, uh, who lived up in the mountains, by the way, uh, near Mount Pisgah, had a little farm, and I spent a lot mm-hmm. of time with him. And he he worked uh, at a nearby paper mill, and he would go to work, and he would assign me chores. And one day he asked me to hoe his vegetable garden. Well, mm-hmm. it was a lot more attractive to me as an eight- or nine-year-old to go down to the nearby creek and so I didn't hold the vegetable garden. When I got home, when he got home that evening and my grandmother set the table for mm-hmm. supper, there was not a plate on the table for me. Um, and, and he quoted the scripture to me about oh, if, you, if you don't work, when they do that. Yeah, if you don't work, you don't eat. So it taught me a lot. What he was doing yeah. was really teaching me about yeah. Protestant work ethic and absolutely how, how our productivity is what produces our rewards and that uh, absolutely dr hall uh, you had a very wise grandfather uh, both in his uh, rule and his application of the rule uh the reverend gentleman from georgia in my estimation using your example is confusing um two aspects of Christianity uh, and mingling them uh, into an unholy uh, mixture. One is our uh, the Christian ethic for compassion, uh, for ministry uh, to others who are hurting, recognizing the Imago Dei, the image of God in human beings, whether they're believers, whatever religion, whatever, whoever they are, uh, deepens sin. It doesn't matter for us. We see God in the creation of that human being. And so we express that. However, that is an application of a Christian ethic uh, um, brought together and most beautifully expressed in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount and uh, the writings of uh, Paul and the other apostles in the epistles. That's quite different than the government that God set up. Uh, So you're confusing compassion with law and government. Uh, God set up human government, as you mentioned in Romans 13, we're to honor those. Uh, He he who rules is uh, and is elected to rule is actually a minister. uh, Right. uh, The Lord says through Paul. So, in Acts, we see the establishment of uh, government in the local church, which, by the way, wasn't anything new. Uh, the apostles merely uh, appropriated Old Testament uh, examples and explicit commandments into the New Testament church when there was a division about compassion, uh, whether the Jewish or the uh, Gentile uh, uh, widows uh, were getting the right amount of support, and there was some uh, there were some statements made, and it was getting out of hand, and so they immediately went to uh, government. Choose among your, yourselves right. the biblical model. 
choose among yourselves. That's then right. they presented those to, uh, if you will, the College of Apostles, uh, and they made sure that they were uh, uh, could do the job. And then the people uh, had the right to uh, to vote upon them, and they were appointed. And it says that uh, a revival actually broke out. It's the first time uh, maybe that we think about church government actually leading to revival. That's right. <laughs> but when it is, and it manifests itself in whether uh, Baptist or Presbyterian or Anglican, it can manifest itself in several different ways, of course, we know in the, the mosaic of the church. However, the principle remains uh, that the people uh, choose among themselves those who will be their minister uh, or those who will be appointing ministers. Uh, there's the right of the people. So the those who are advocating uh, Christianity as socialistic or or merging uh, two principles and into a very unholy mixture indeed, and one that can lead to uh, disastrous consequences. Sure. You know, it just seems to me that, uh, and we I think we're seeing this play out in our country right now, these uh, socialistic states uh, uh, seem to want to punish uh, people of means, people of wealth who don't seem to uh, line up behind their ideologies and uh, reward perhaps people of less means simply because they have surrendered all of their rights uh, to the state. In fact, uh, you know, right. you could almost uh, view the attitude as an unlawful effort uh, to take private property uh, from lawful owners and give it to the state who they can de- deem who they think is worthy of of uh, distribution of goods. Right. You know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, you know, it, you can almost go back to the Ten Commandments where it teaches us not to, you know, covet our neighbor's uh, belongings uh, as as part of the sin that the Ten Commandments warns us against, which seems to be an intrinsic part of this socialism. As an explicit one is private property in, in the Bible. From Israel, uh, I'll never forget being in London. I, I did my Ph.D. in Great Britain, spent a lot of time there. And I remember walking around Trafalgar Square and, and other places there in, in old London and looking up at the Bank of England, built at the the, uh, the peak of the British Empire, which, by the way, was a, uh, one of the probably the most benevolent, single most benevolent empire in the history of the world. They did much good for all of the. Uh, haranguing that's going on now about the the the, uh, the British Empire past and American hegemony and so forth. There's been much good that came from it. At the very top of the building uh, was a quote from the Psalms that says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. They recognized at the very peak of their, um, their governing that even what they owned was not theirs. It was God's. Yeah. And that is a principle deeply embedded uh, within Christianity. Sure. You know, it's uh, 
uh, you know, as we think about all of the socialist states across the world today, uh, uh, some have estimated that there's been uh, more than 100 million people uh, killed by these regimes in the 20th and 21st century. I mean, all the way from Stalin and Mao and Pol Pot and Castro and Chavez and Guevara and Kim and uh, right. you know North Vietnam, on and on and on, and uh, and uh, even in Venezuela, uh, with many more tortured and enslaved. And it seems like the whole uh, result of these uh, extreme examples of socialism, which we sometimes refer to as communism, where there's just a complete, complete takeover and control of all the assets of the country, um, that, that, that this is a tremendous impact on humanity. It is indeed. It's, it's sobering to remember that we're really in the minority, we who are living free. Uh, the default setting for human government as it exists in history is totalitarian. Uh, it is by power. It is by the strong man. Uh, that is how uh, human beings have governed themselves. Uh, thankfully and mercifully, the light of Christ uh, and the Judeo-Christian ethic and laws begin to permeate uh, the world after the Lord Jesus came, and truly the Isaiah prophecy was fulfilled. A light arose, and it began to disperse the darkness, and wherever that light goes today, it continues to disperse all of the darkness. Human government and totalitarianism and uh, the other uh, uh, pathologies of the state, pathologies of the human soul that go with it, but it's amazing to think that we're really in the minority uh, and as free people. Right. And the other thing is how quickly it can slip away from us. I know. And yeah. I, yeah, I think you talk about that really in your article, The Antelope and the Hyena. Uh, you know, we seem to be, as we're talking in our culture, in our society, marching farther and farther along uh, the journey towards some form of socialism. And mm. so you paint this very interesting uh, uh, picture of what may be happening to us slowly by telling the story of the hyena and the antelope on the Serengeti. Uh, why don't you take a moment and just share with our listeners that metaphor? Well, it's uh, it's one that's well known by uh, many people, but it's simply a wounded or a weakened creature on the Serengeti uh, falling behind, uh, wounded or by some external force or maybe internally, but the hyena uh, waits patiently until the right moment. Everything is moving at a normal frame speed until the creature, be it a, an antelope or another creature, becomes so slow 
that at that point, the frame speeds up. The hyena leaps from his cover and destroys the antelope in um, very little time. He's very, very efficient. And, of course, the pack uh, comes at that point, and they uh, fight each other over the over the flesh. Whenever we are weakened, it's, it's not like we are weakened in, uh, in a vacuum. Whenever we uh, become weak, there's not a vacuum. There are hyenas uh, behind the rocks, behind the trees. Uh, John in the book of Revelation refers to it as, as beastly powers. Uh, these beasts... Uh, or, as I say, uh, we're in the minority uh, of history whenever we talk about being free people, except for uh, a few hundred years of the ascendancy of the British Empire and, by extension, the American uh, uh, dominance and Western European dominance. The weakened uh, state is going to be uh, attacked by the very laws of the red tooth and claw of, of nature uh, by the beastly, the stronger beastly powers. And that's how we, so once we go to a certain point, it becomes, uh, it becomes almost inevitable, um, speaking from a human perspective. Certainly God is in control. We don't presume uh, that every framework is going to work out exactly the way we see it. God's in control. Anytime we turn to him and cry out for him, the clock stops. And in fact, we're able to, to, to start again. We're able to be strengthened as the antelope and escape the hyena because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's so whether I'm an individual and hurting and broken, or whether uh, I'm a collection of individuals, a collection of families, which is what a nation is. Right. A nation is nothing more than a collection of families bound together by common agreement and covenant. Right. And any time we turn to God and say, oh, God, I'm sorry, save me, the Bible says, the clock starts again. We're a new creation, right? In Christ, yeah. If that doesn't happen, judgment is a law, a cosmic law, divinely installed that begins to manifest itself. You know, as I think about this, Doctor Melton, you know, the, the, the two or three things worry me greatly about our country and. Uh, one that uh, those of us uh, who are in ministry talk about is the continued decline in people in America who are attending church and even who profess to be Christians. And right alongside of that, we see this growing acceptance of socialism where most polls, the Gallup poll and others are reporting that, you know, people uh, under the age of 30 years old, the majority of them uh, uh, openly embrace socialism. They're okay with the state taking care of them from cradle to grave. And so, therefore, why do we need God? 
Yes, yes. Well, uh, that those who believe that have been conditioned uh, and also have been tricked, duped into uh, not facing history. Can you believe it was only 1989, 1991 that the wall fell, Uh, that communism, uh, Soviet Union or satellite nations, several other uh, despotic nations like Albania uh, fell? I was there. I saw the statues toppled uh, in Tirana, Albania, at least, and by the students, the same age as the ones that you're pointing out who who are who are pining after socialism the same age people as students in 1989 to 91 were crying out and pining for freedom turning over statues not of thomas jefferson like figures yeah <laughs> but of totalitarian regime dictators like enver hoja of albania and stalin in the Soviet Union and others uh, in Romania and uh, Hungary and the other uh, the other places uh, in Eastern Europe, it's it when you forget history, uh, when you fail to teach the children, here's the truth, and you hide the truth and begin to propagate uh, fantasy. Then people begin to uh, topple statues of those who sought to do good. So it is amazing, again, how quickly these things uh, deteriorate. Sure. Uh, once you're in, uh, you're broadcasting, I think, from Georgia today. I, I, I don't want to. Jacksonville, uh, Florida. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Well, you know, down in Atlanta, there's a, there's a Stone Mountain. And a lot is a tourist, nice tourist location. I've been there. And I note that every now and then, regrettably and sadly, someone might fall off of Stone Mountain because you can go so far. And once you get to a certain point on Stone Mountain because of the rounded nature of the top, there's, and there's nothing to grab onto. There may be now since I've been there, uh, but uh, there's nothing, no uh, trees or anything else. It's just a rounded top of stone. You slide right over and there's nothing to stop you. In the same way, we come to a certain point in, in uh, philosophy and our ideas that have consequences. And we reject so much. We deny God all of Romans chapter one, we get to a place where it's a di- downward spiral on the stone mountain of ideas. And there's nothing to hold on to at that point. And we slide and we slide deeper uh, into uh, the trap that we have set for ourselves. So these powers exist. We're not in a vacuum. But there's always a way out, and that is the good news. And the way out is what happened about a decade or so before the founding of this country constitutionally, and that is a great awakening of people turning to God and saying, we were wrong, we're sorry, 
we see the truth. In a real way, what happened then prepared the people to both endure and to take a stand against despotic behavior that was coming out of the crown at that time uh, and uh, out of England. And so revival is a great blessing, whether it comes to us personally in a family or indeed in a family of families, a nation. It's high time for us to to turn to God. Yeah. Well, and, but to do so is to is to receive uh, divine healing, transformation, and an escape from the hyenas of the world. Right. You know, and and uh, people of faith all across this country are praying for that revival, praying for that uh, uh, turning back. Uh, that that you're talking to, and then you know, interestingly, I hear others who uh, who, in in a way of, of almost acceptance, uh, people of faith say, well, you know, I think uh, uh, this these are just signs that we're moving closer to end times, and they don't seem to have a hope or revival. It's it's almost an acceptance that we were we're moving toward end times and these are predictable signs and left is right and right's left and ups down and downs up and we can't even define what a woman is anymore and people are wanting to change their gender and people want to justify the killing of babies in the womb and and just on and on and on with all kinds of serious moral craziness and yeah so so we as believers are a little I think uh, as a group, I'm just speaking about us as a group, we're kind of torn, and that is we're praying for revival, but at the same time, the things that we see happening around us scripturally are not surprising. That's right, uh, Dr. Hall, and I understand that, and I sympathize with the view. Uh, I remember the the work of uh, a man I knew as as a little child, Walker Percy, uh, he was Roman Catholic uh, by faith. He was a convert to Christ and uh, a psychiatrist who developed TB. And uh, at any rate, he retired to uh, Covington, Louisiana, to write about postmodernism. Uh, he wrote about it via novels like The Movie Goer, the 1961 book of the year, and uh, many others. In his book, uh, a Signpost in a strange land i think which was published posthumously uh, a collection of essays not 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 fiction but non-fiction he talked about the feeling of being in a strange land it's like waking up and the furniture has been rearranged in your living room and, and you trip over uh you trip over a lampstand you you the couch has been, you don't recognize the place. I mean, how many of us feel like that? Just two or three years. Yeah. And we say, I, I don't recognize anything. So we can sympathize with that one who feels that way. But we have uh, an obligation uh, to share the truth of Jesus Christ. We don't time uh, his second coming. 
we can see signs, certainly, but those signs were being observed even by Paul in the New Testament. So it's not our role to know the day or the hour, uh, Jesus said. Only the Father knows in the, uh, the mystery and the glory of the Godhead when Jesus Christ is coming again. We have to do the work that we've been called to do and to be faithful to that call of announcing that there is a light and that light can be turned on. And when it is, even though we're in a land of rearranged furniture where we're tripping over things and saying, this doesn't look anything like what I grew up in, we have a light to navigate our way through that and even to help others through that as well. And I think that's where we are now is strangers uh, in this, this new upside down world and trying to navigate our way through. We know the way, the truth and the life. And it's our responsibility to share him with others so that they too can find their way to not the exit, but to the entrance of a new life of wonder. Dr. Melton, thank you so much for saying that. And that's a great segue, I think, into our closing as we get to a point where we're going to have to close our podcast for today. And let me just say and and tap into what Dr. Milton has said, you know, this is a time for us as believers to be steadfast in our faith, to, to not be reclusive in any way. And to realize that uh, socialism and the things that we're talking about, the, the kind of new socialism that we see plaguing our society, is a basic threat to our God-given liberties. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Melton. We hope we can have you back on this podcast in the future. And may God bless you and your ministry. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Dr. Hall.